athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. The year went by fast, that's a well-known fact. So for one last time, I'm going to run it back. So y'all pull up. It's 2022, it's Box to Row. It's Donald Ware with you here on the program. Our first official program of 2022. Hope the last couple of weeks you've enjoyed our year-end review show and some of the great conversations we had in 2021 with some of our great guests. Got a lot to get to on today's program. Want to talk some college football. We had, of course, the semifinals between Michigan and Georgia, between Alabama and Cincinnati. Want to talk more about that. I'm going to tell you what, 2022 has not gotten off to a good start at all. We've had quite a few people that have passed away and also towards the latter part of 2021 some big names that we're going to talk about uh, today here on the program want you to sit back relax for about the next 58 minutes or so and enjoy the program thank you to all of our great affiliates we announced our affiliates last week if you didn't hear that of course you can log on uh, to our website and check out uh, all of our shows that we've had for the past year or so, and especially the year in review show where we mentioned our outstanding affiliates. For instance, we'll look at WGBN in Pittsburgh. has been carrying the show 2008, since 2008. February 2008 was the first time Box to Row carried the show. I remember it well. We were at the Super Bowl in Phoenix in 2008, and it was the first time that WGBN carried the program. It's been carrying the program every or ever since. That is 2008, 2022, 14 years WGBN has been carrying the program. So thank you to those listeners in Pittsburgh and those that listen uh, to us on radio stations across the country. Those that listen to us on Sirius XM, channels 141, 142, and 84. And those that listen to us around the world at BoxToRow.com. So we've got a national championship matchup between Alabama and Georgia, who throughout the course of the season have been the two best teams in football. You look at Georgia undefeated all the way up into the SEC championship game where Alabama State just rolled Georgia, right? But you knew Georgia was going to be in the playoff. And, I mean, I thought that Georgia was going to handle its business against Michigan, which it ultimately did. I didn't know it was going to be to that degree. I thought that Michigan would put up a little bit more 
uh, resistance. But, I mean, at the same time, Georgia just dominant in the football game, right? Like, that, the Georgia defense is unbelievable, and you wonder uh, why it couldn't get it done, meaning the Georgia defense ultimately against Alabama. But you see Kirby Smart, the coach, he's, he's getting on players and, and all of that, even in the victory against Michigan. He knows he's got to get on them now because even though the Bulldogs manhandled Michigan, you don't want those same mistakes happening against Alabama. So he was coaching ahead. And I don't know. I think Georgia's going to make some adjustments. I think it's going to be a good football game. And, you know, I'll give you maybe give you a prediction uh, a little bit later on in the program. But Georgia absolutely dominating, absolutely dominating from a defensive perspective, absolutely dominating. Okay, you look at Michigan, uh, uh, throws two interceptions as a team in the game, passing for 200 and 37 yards in the football game, but couldn't run the football to save. The Wolverines couldn't run the football to save their lives, okay? And that's that Georgia defense, which is absolutely spectacular. Meanwhile, for Georgia, you look at Stetson Bennett, had a really, really good game through for three touchdowns, no interceptions in the ball game, and Georgia did a good job of running the football. So it was an absolutely dominating performance, no doubt, by the Bulldogs. I mean, I got to be honest with you. And listen, I'm all about smaller schools. I'm all about underdogs. I'm all about it. I'm here for it, right? And I had been saying all year prior to Cincinnati actually getting, I think, what was that, the number three or number four seed, the first week or the first week it was in when those rankings came out and never dropped out of the rankings. Although I think if, you know, maybe Oklahoma State handles its business or, you know, something else happens, perhaps uh, Cincinnati would have ultimately fallen out. But I thought that Cincinnati would have a better showing against Alabama. Now, Alabama, no question about it, dominated the football game. And where it dominated the football game was from the defensive side uh, of the football. Yeah, I like the way Alabama ran the football. Like I like to me, I think Nick Saban and staff done knew they could really they knew they could run the football against the Bearcats, right? Like you don't want to give too much away. They, they want to ha- no question. You got to handle your business against the Bearcats, right? Because if you lose that game, you don't get to go on and play in the national championship game. Didn't know at the time Ultimately, that uh, the Crimson Tide would be facing uh, Georgia, but I, I think they had a strong suspicion that they would be. Either way, you don't show a whole lot. You run the football. You get Brian jo- uh, Robinson out there who rushes for nearly 200 yards, dominated, right? Bryce Young passing when he had to pass the football, right? And, I, and I'm going to tell you what, I think it could have been different, a little bit different for Cincinnati if the offensive line had played a little bit better, had a couple of balls that were batted down, right, on key, on, in, in key moments for the Bearcats, right? You look at the numbers for Desmond Ritter. I have him in front of me, 17 to 32, 144 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. That's against an elite college defense. This kid is supposed to be a first-round draft pick. So what is he going to do against a defense in the National Football League? Is that an indictment on him? 
Is it an indictment on the offensive line not doing a better job in certain situations? Is it an indictment on the running game? Uh, perhaps it couldn't run the football. Or is it just because Alabama has an absolutely phenomenal defense? I mean, I think it may be the latter. But, again, if you're Ritter, right, like you, you've got to be able to do more against an elite college program. So we'll ultimately see what happens for this young man moving forward. No question about it. But, man, I mean, you know, you've got the game you want between Georgia and between Alabama, two best uh, teams in the nation. I I was disappointed in Michigan. I mean, I got to be honest, right? But, I mean, (laughs) give Georgia a lot of credit. Georgia really came to play. So your thoughts on the upcoming national championship game? The matchup, be the matchup between Alabama and Cincinnati, matchup between Michigan and Georgia. Hit me up via Twitter at Bochtoro, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. As mentioned, the latter part of 2021 was really tough, and 2022 did not get off to the right start. You had John Madden passing away towards the latter part of December. Matter of fact, two days, it was December 27th. Two days after this special ran on Fox about John Madden, he passed away unexpectedly. You talk about a man that had more of an impact on the game of football and more specifically pro football in the the National Football League than anybody else. A lot of the younger kids are going to know him as the video game, Madden, right? You know, if you're me in my age group, you're going to know him more as a broadcaster, and you're going to know him from Madden as well, but you're going to know him more as a broadcaster, right? And if you're a bit older than I am, maybe 10, 15 years older than I am, you're going to know him as the football coach of the Raiders. He He's, he's known less as the coach of the Raiders than the other two, meaning Madden and then as a broadcaster. Right, 10 seasons, a winning percentage of like 76%. It's unbelievable, right? Won a Super Bowl with the Raiders. It's, it, it's, man, that is a huge, huge loss with the passing unexpectedly of John Madden. Then, you know, you look at Betty White, the great Betty White. We kept hearing, she wasn't 100 years old yet. You kept hearing all of these Things about she's going to be 100 in January and unfortunately passed away on New Year's at the age of 99 years old. Remember her very well from Golden Girls. You look at Max Julian, right, played um, the Mac, right, played the Mac. But even before that, played with, you know, played in some movies with Jack Nicholson. He was from D.C., right, played in some great, some, some movies even before the Mac. You know, Ken Free, the first commissioner of the MEAC passed away. You know, Sam Jones, one of the great – we talk about 75 players. We're going to talk more about the top 75 players. I'm going to have some thoughts on that. The greatest 75 players, Sam Jones, certainly one of those players, passed away. The Boston Celtic, great 12 seasons, 10 NBA championships, all-time great CIAA player at North Carolina Central. Dan Reeves coached, of course, the uh, Broncos, coached the Giants, also passed away 
early, I think on New Year's Day. So a lot of passings happen latter part of December and already uh, in January. And we are so sad to learn of those passings. And we we have time on the program. We'll talk more about them. Still to come here on Box to Row, my NFL predictions for the last week in the regular season. So you want to stick around for that. Also, my thoughts on the NBA's 75 greatest players. I've been saying that I want to talk about it. I had a chance to sit down, really look at the list. Definitely going to talk about that. And we've been able to locate a conversation we had with the now late Sam Jones, one of the 75 greatest players to ever play. And we're going to replay part of that conversation with the legendary Sam Jones here on Box to Row. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the program. Find the Box to Row YouTube page for conversations with stars like Amari Hardware, Brandy, Michael Strahan, and with some of our favorite sports guests over the years. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer. The neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsboro. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's. And in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row. Box to Box to Box to Box to Something going on. I feel funny. Can't tell me We're back here on Box to Row. So I want to talk about the list of the 75 greatest players in NBA history. The list that the NBA released late last year. Now, really, I didn't have a chance to really dive into it. I wanted to take my time and really dive into it. I knew some of the players that were on the list, some of the new players that were on the list, or an additional 25, because all of the 50 players remained on the list, and then there were additional an additional 25 that were not on the list, including two that probably should have been on the original 50 list but I wanted to really take my time I over the over the course of this last couple of months since the list has been released I've heard about some people that are on the list but I really wanted to take time and I you know I had a chance to kind of do that uh late last week and really really look over this list and say okay let 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 me I want to give you my thoughts on the list there are definitely some people that I don't think should be on this list, no question about it. But I also think at the same time, it's like, okay, if you don't have, it's like we do our All-America team, right? Our Box to Roll All-America team each and every year. And I hear 
from different people about why this person wasn't on the list and who should be on the list, which is fine. But the question becomes, if you add a player to the list, who do you take off the list? It is always that way, right? So let's look at the players that are on the list now. As a matter of fact, there's 76 players because we had a tie. The players that are have are weren't part of the 50 that are part of the now 26. Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kobe Bryant, Stephen Curry, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Allen Iverson, Jason Kidd, LeBron James, Bob McAdoo, Kawhi Leonard, Reggie Miller, Russell Westbrook, Steve Nash, Dirk Nowitzki, Carmelo Anthony, Chris Paul, Anthony Davis, Gary Payton, Damian Lillard, Paul Pierce, Dennis Rodman, Dwayne Wade, and Dominique Wilkins are all part of the 26 that weren't a part of the original 50 back in 1996. Now, two of the players, in my opinion, that should have been part of the original 50 that weren't Bob McAdoo and Dominique Wilkins. I mean, you look at the career, even at that time, that Dominique Wilkins had. I mean, he, he. I mean, it's no question in my mind that Dominique Wilkins got snubbed. I mean, I think when you go back to that list of of ninety six, I mean, certainly to me, Shaquille O'Neal should not have been on that list at that time. He had only been in the league. I don't know. Th- uh, let's see. That was ninety six. I think that list was. From, I can't remember. That's ninety. I think it was ninety five, ninety six season. So that would have put him in the league for three years at that time. But I think you look ahead at what he could be, right? So you don't want, you know, you have that 50th anniversary list in the 50 greatest players. You don't want to leave a player like that off the list that you know uh, (laughs) that should be on the list. I mean, I get that. I mean, but so if, if we're talking about replacing, I mean, I definitely would have replaced both Bob McAdoo and or Dominic Wilkins with Shaquille O'Neal at that time. So for me, I'm going to break it down in a couple of different ways. I'm going to break it down in terms of players that are playing today that I think should be on the list, players overall that should be on the list, right? In other words, between that 96 list and this list, but aren't playing today. Then I'm going to, I'm going to, give you a couple of names that I don't think should be on the list at all, but I think I'm going to give you a reason why they are on the list. And I'm going to also give you some players that I think possibly should be on the list. So Giannis Antetokounmpo to me definitely should be on the list. Two time MVP. He's won certainly a championship. You look at what he's doing now. He's dominating much like Shaquille O'Neal back when that list was done back in 96, absolutely dominating. Okay, and has won a championship and two MVPs, no doubt about it. Stephen Curry has changed the game. All-time leader in terms of three-pointers in the NBA has changed the game. But not only that, has really upped his game. Remember, a lot of times we talk about Steph Curry. We don't talk about the fact that he went to Davidson, right, that he was a small college kid. And look what he's become. He's become an absolute great ball handler, can get his own shot, can shoot, finishes, does those things well, okay, Kevin Durant, maybe the greatest scorer to ever play, 
right? No doubt about it. Plus, he can play some defense, too, has won two NBA championships. Not as a hanger-on. If it wasn't for Kevin Durant, Golden State would not have had the two championships it had back-to-back in 17 and 18. James Harden, one of the greatest scorers we've ever seen play the game. Yes, he hasn't won a championship yet, uh, but, I mean, when you look at the skill set, what he's able to accomplish, I mean, that guy can really play ball. Greatest 75 players of all time, no doubt. LeBron James, do we need to say more? Kawhi Leonard, championship, right? One of the greatest two-way players to ever play the game. Uh, no question about it. Uh, not only a championship on a, on a Spurs team that had a big three, but led a Toronto team to a championship that ultimately would not have won a championship without him. And then Russell, uh, um, and then Russell Westbrook is the other player that is on the list that is a current player that's one of the top 75 players to ever play the game, okay? So, um, for me, you know, I, I look at this list and I'm like, okay, a couple of guys that I don't think should be on this list, okay? Um, I'm looking at that are on the list, okay? I'm looking at a, since I mentioned the guys that are current players, and by the way, the other current players, Carmelo Anthony, Anthony Davis, Damian Lillard, I think I mentioned th- th- those guys, but these are the guys I don't think should be on the list. Russell Westbrook, I get it. He's a, he, he's a triple-double machine. I mean, I get all of that, but one of the great – let's think about that. Is he one of the greatest 75 players that have ever played the game? To me, when you have a list like this, in a lot of respects – it should be a situation where you shouldn't be able to tell the story of a situation without without that person. I, I look, I, I'll give you an example. Look at wrestling, right? Just for it as an example, totally different situation, but I'm just using it as an example. Could you tell the history of wrestling without Steve Austin? Could you? You can tell the, the, the history of the NBA the history of basketball without Russell Russell Westbrook, I think. Now, if you talk about triple doubles, what he's been able to accomplish as a guard, those type of things, I mean, maybe. He's only gotten to, what, one NBA Finals, right? I don't think so. Uh, Anthony Davis, definitely not. Yeah, he's won a championship, okay? He's a great talent, but are you telling me he's one of the greatest 75 players to ever play the game? Ever? No, I don't think so. Um, Damian Lillard, one of the greatest 75 players to ever play the game. Right. I get it. Dame time. He's a closer, right? Like I'm not disrespecting that. I get all of that. And, you know, maybe if he had a championship by this point, it's going to be hard for him to get a championship in his current situation. Maybe, right. You can look at Dame time, right? He's a great closer. No question about it. Never led his team to an NBA Finals. I think he. I think he's been to an NBA Western Conference Finals, but not an NBA Finals. One of the greatest seventy-five players to ever play. I don't know about that. Carmelo Anthony. For me, I. I, I get it. Great scorer. When he was with Denver, a lot of people forget when he was with. I mean, he really made his name when he was with Denver. Went to the Knicks, did some some good things. Was out of the league for a couple of years. People were wondering why, and you can see why he should be in the league. Great shooter. I mean, I 
don't know. I mean, I don't know. Carmelo Anthony is a really is a really dynamic player. I, I may have to take that back. The more I think about it, when I think about his scoring ability, not only with the, with his jump shot, but also what he's able to do around the basket. He plays big. He's got that turnaround jump shot, and I'm talking about back in his heyday. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe. I mean, I just look at the other fact. I mean, he's never led his team to an NBA Finals either, right? He was supposed to come to New York and be the man. Uh, no, he, 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 he wasn't. Okay. So, you know, I, I, I don't, I, 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 I may, I may go with you on Carmelo Anthony. Okay. Now, since I said, name those guys, Anthony Davis, Damian Lillard, Russell Westbrook probably shouldn't be on the list, right? Well, well, who, who, who may have gotten snubbed that sh- maybe should be on the list? Dwight Howard? I don't know. Like, I think people forget, right, because you ever since Dwight Howard left Orlando, it hasn't gone well for Dwight Howard. He went to Houston, didn't go well. Went to the Lakers the first time, didn't go well. Ultimately won a championship with the Lakers. But during his Orlando days, he was dominant as a defensive player and almost unstoppable as an offensive player. Like, he didn't have a great repertoire in terms of moves and all that. He was just a, he was a power guy. And I, you know, I would put him on the list before I put Anthony Davis on the list. I would, right? To me, I, I, I would do that. You know, I look at, you know, I look at some of the other players. You know, Tony Parker, uh, maybe. Was he a top 75 player of all time? I don't know, Vince Carter. Like, I think Vince Carter's a Hall of Famer, top 75 player. Probably not. Definitely Dwight Howard. To me, Dwight Howard should be one of those that's on the list. How about Alex English? Like, Alex English was a beast when he was with Denver. He wasn't part of the 50 team, and I can understand that at the time, right? But I'm looking at the, 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 the players, some of the players that are on the 75 list. Like Alex English, to me, should be and could be on that list. All the other guys I mentioned, you know, I mean, for obvious reasons, Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, um, Allen Iverson, I mean, just, you know, and even Chris Paul. Like, you look at Chris Paul, true point guard, true point guard. Chris Paul, definitely, right? I mean, I look at all these other players, uh, you know, Allen, you know, Kevin Garnett, Gary Payton, one of the better two-way players to ever play the game. I mean, Paul Pierce, a great player. Like, all Dwayne Wade, my goodness. I mean, what more can you say? And uh, so I agree with the list. But Anthony Davis, Damian Lillard, Russell Westbrook, eh, I'm not sure about that. Your thoughts, hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. My NFL predictions are up next. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. I'm excited I get to play for them. They support us in everything we do. You know, it's a joy to, you know, go to work and, and know that you're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to cheer for you as loud as they can no matter who you're playing. Bubba Wallace. They feel like I am throwing race into the context here. And it's not about race. He's a driver at the end of the day. Everybody's making it about race. It's all about the headlines these days. Not me saying like, yep, I'm the black guy here. You're going to stop hearing about me. It was more along the lines of the fans like, hey, it's cool. I've been dealing with that for, for a while. He's Spike Lee. Thank you. I haven't heard that. I mean, I've been on radios all over the nation. Thank you for that question. I'm a third generation Morehouse man. 
I was taught to speak your truth and that there's very special about being a Morehouse man, the same way you feel about your school, the same way we feel all about our respective historic black colleges. That would have been my first choice anyway, and I'm proud to be a Morehouse man. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused, just really, you know, excited. That is the voice of Steph Curry. Your progress from Davidson to now with Golden State. Where I've come from in high school into a small D1 college at Davidson. And, uh, it's a great story, and uh, I'm just having fun, you know, living my dream and riding the ride. Ron Rivera, you know, a great player. Did you see yourself as a coach? I've been told a lot of times by a lot of people, boy, you know, you're kind of like a coach on the field. I always felt at some point, yeah, I'd probably get into coaching. It all started because of my son wanting to play football. The one and only Michael Strahan. Always good to talk to you. Hopefully next time it won't be, what, 14 years. You get to <laughs> Man, you know what is good? And, and, and uh, you're encouraging people to be better and do better. And, and that's what I love, man. So thank you. I appreciate you. I'm talking about none other. In common. Well, I ended up with Sam just because I wanted to major in business and Sam, you had the illustrious school of business. Then I found out that business was the key. That's what I wanted to do. Dave Roberts, manager of the LA Dodgers, to be person of color and be the manager of the Dodgers. What does that mean to you? Well, I think the first thing that comes to me is responsibility. With recency and, and kind of the social, the racial issues that we're having that really come to light, which is, I believe, are good things. I think that it's a responsibility for me to be the first manager of color for the Dodgers. There's not many of us in baseball. To do things the right way, to hopefully give others, other people of color, opportunities. Hopefully it just paves the way. So I think that for me, I, I definitely look at it as responsibility, but something I'm willing to undertake. Omari Hartwick. And that's crazy that you said that. I got one of your colleagues and one of your contemporaries and that being Stephen A. He hit me about three weeks ago and he texted me and he said, oh, how did I miss this one? But it's equally been a beautiful thing for me to see how much you guys who work in sport are fans of me. But for you to like it as much as Stephen A. said he liked it and all within the last three weeks, you both are commenting on it. I'm in good company. We're, we're HBCU guys, you know. I know I'm in good well, company. Of course, bro. <laughs> Shout out to Howard University. NBA All-Star Chris Paul. That was great to bring it back to one Salem State University, a uh, black college. Something that my city had never seen before, may never see again. And just having a up close and personal feeling with LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Melodes. It was exciting. I'm grateful for those guys coming out. She's Simone Biles. Actually, really fun. Like, to be honest, me and Allie had a lot of fun. We were like, oh, of course, like, we're in the best shape of our lives. We're feeling confident about our body, and we hope that other young girls and women, like, feel that being strong is so beautiful. So that's what we kind of try to do. Greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown. Muhammad Ali was a principal person in the country at the time and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because it was against his religion. Mm -hmm. Called all the top black athletes together along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city. So I'm glad you brought that particular incident up. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh man, thank you for having me play in a real way. I mean, I'm so honest. Snoop, you football league has done so many wonders. We got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have grown to Division One. Kyrie Irving Playing at Duke for Coach K, what was that like and how that prepared you for the league now? Playing 11 games, you know, a lot of people think that's not a you know, big package for you to become a better player, but for me it was. Playing for Coach K, he gave me the keys to, to the car and I was driving it in first eight games and you know, being a part of something special like that and having a brotherhood built at an institution such as that one is an experience that you never forget. Ice Cube has been our guest.
Podcast. Hey man, thanks for letting me talk a little music, movies, and sports. Hey, my favorite three topics. From the Press Box to Press Row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU Sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's from the Press Box to Press Row, real, relevant, radio. It's the last week of the regular season in the National Football League. Going to take a look at the Week 18 matchups. I'm going to give you some thoughts on who I think we will see in the Super Bowl as well. It's a pre-Super Bowl prediction. Of course, next week we'll take a look at who actually made the playoffs in some of those matchups. The Chiefs at the Broncos. It's a situation, and I think COVID is going to play into a lot of these football games. A lot of players are missing. This Omicron variant is just sitting, having guys out, right? So Chiefs at the Broncos. I mean, I, I look at the Chiefs, want to, you know, the Chiefs want to play well going into the playoffs. Meanwhile, you look at the Broncos, had some opportunities in the latter part of the season, just unable to ultimately capitalize uh, on them. I expect for the Chiefs to keep rolling. I think that the Chiefs' defense has stepped up. Yes, the Chiefs had a a minor setback last week. You look at Cincinnati. Cincinnati's playing great, but look at all the games that Cincinnati, or excuse me, that the Chiefs had won in a row. Now, I think ultimately it's a minor setback. You're getting into the playoffs. I like the Chiefs over the Broncos in Denver. The Eagles and the Cowboys, both teams are in the playoffs. The Cowboys win the NFC East. And as embarrassing a loss a couple of weeks ago as it was for the Washington football team against the Cowboys. The Cowboys weren't that great because you're playing, not only you're playing a Washington football team that isn't very good, you're playing a Washington football team that didn't have a lot of players either. Plus was coming off a Tuesday night game and ultimately we saw what happened when the Cowboys played a legitimate contender in the Arizona Cardinals. Meanwhile, I look at the Eagles, solid football team. I mean, I like the Eagles. I like Jalen Hurts. I was surprised when I saw that he was a Pro Bowl alternate, and I was like, wow. You know, he he had some spurts in the season that weren't good, but he had some solid spurts. I mean, he's a, he's a good quarterback. You know, I think I've been saying this, and a lot of people were saying, well, you know, when he was coming into the league and coming out of Alabama, transferring to Oklahoma, and all of these things. I thought he was going to be a good quarterback, and I think he is solid. Yeah, I looked at the numbers. Very, very solid numbers. Ten rushing touchdowns on the season and a good amount of yards in terms of on the ground and solid through the air. Um, You know, this is a tough one to pick. I mean, I, the Cowboys aren't as good as their victory over the Washington football team. So I'm going to go with the, I'm going to go with the Eagles at home. I like the Eagles at home over the Cowboys, Washington football team and the Giants. Both are bad football teams. Uh, The Giants are really, really a really, really bad football team, but it's a football team that has been beset by injuries all season long. You look at Daniel Jones, hasn't played much. 
Saquon Barkley beset by injuries throughout the course of the season. I thought this was going to be a Giants team coming into the season that was going to be able to compete because I really liked what I was seeing with respect to the Giants defense. I look at the Washington football team, Taylor Heineke, uh, you know, he's he made a valiant effort this year. He's, he's, he has the ability to be a starting quarterback. Uh, he's definitely a really good backup for sure. So I don't think the answer moving forward, Washington football team beset by injuries. You know, I, I'm going to still go with the Washington football team in this game over the Giants. The Bengals and the Browns. The Browns, a lot of people were saying before the season the Browns were a Super Bowl contender. I never I never thought that the Browns were a Super Bowl contender. Thought a really good football team. And we see Baker Mayfield is not a great quarterback. He's not like he's not a great quarterback. He's a gutsy quarterback, but he's not a great quarterback. He's not even going to play in this football game. I mean, if I'm the Bengals, you know, I I mean, I'm you know, I'm not I'm gonna play, right? Like, but I'm not trying to get anybody hurt. I've wrapped up the AFC North, right? I mean, you want to go out on the win, no doubt about it, but I want to keep some guys healthy. And by the way, the Bengals defense isn't bad, but man, when you look at Burrow, you look at Chase, oh man, these guys are phenomenal, mixing all those receivers. I definitely like the Bengals in Cleveland. The Steelers and the Ravens. So the Steelers got an outside shot here. The Ravens, I mean, both teams, I believe the Ravens are still alive as well. But this is a must-win game for both teams. You look at the Ravens. I mean, Lamar Jackson's been hurt the last couple of weeks, but the Ravens had their opportunities against the Rams in that football game. Definitely had opportunities. The Ravens' defense isn't as great as it was early in the season. And then also when you look at reputation, the Ravens have been known as a tough defense not so much. It's a great story with Big Ben, big win, you know, Monday night against the Bengals. Um, but I ultimately like the Ravens in this game. Lamar Jackson missed some practice time this week. We'll ultimately see um, if he plays. I mean, it's a tough game. I mean, if Lamar Jackson plays, I go with the Ravens. If not, can I really go with the Steelers? I don't know. Like, I like the way the Steelers are playing. But I'm ultimately either way going to go with the Ravens over the Steelers in Baltimore. The Lions and the Packers. I mean, I look at the Lions giving some valiant efforts this year uh, in some games. But, you know, early on where the Lions were competitive, then they weren't, then they were, then they win, then they're not. And, I mean, you know, the Lions just aren't very good right now. Playing against the Green Bay Packers have wrapped up the number one seed in the NFC, and I like the Packers over the Lions in Detroit, the Jaguars and the Colts. Um, yeah, I, I y- y- listen, I, you know, the Jaguars, it's just been a tough season for the Jaguars. It's been a tough season for Trevor Lawrence. Is Trevor Lawrence as great as everybody thinks he is? is did, did Some of it have to do with Urban Meyer, maybe, but I don't know. I mean, yeah, I can reference back to a, to a quarterback that everybody said was a can't-miss guy, who had a, a, a bad first season or not a great first season, you go back and look at Peyton Manning. Will Trevor Lawrence be able to bounce back on next year? That question remains unanswered, but the Jaguars just aren't a very good football team at all. I like the Colts over the Jaguars in Jacksonville. The Vikings and the Bears. Vikings had some opportunities, um, you know, but, you know, the Bears just 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 not good. It's just, it just hasn't been good. For the Bears, Matt Nagy ultimately 
probably coaching his last game uh, in Chicago. You know, the Vikings aren't great, but the Vikings are better than the Bears, and I like the Vikings over the Bears in Minnesota. The Titans and the Texans. I like the way the, the Texans play. The Texans play hard. Titans going to have Derrick Henry back. That's big, uh, ultimately, I think. Uh, and we'll see what happens in the playoffs. How big is that in the playoffs? I think we'll ultimately see. I think the Texans are playing hard, but I definitely like the Titans, especially going into the playoffs over the Texans in Houston. The Falcons and the Saints. Um, yeah, you know, the Saints just don't have an answer at quarterback. I really like the Saints defense. Like, I think the Saints defense is really, really good. You look at Cameron Jordan, man, he's having an MVP type of season uh, with all the sacks, the defensive end. Um, the Falcons, I mean, they've hung around, right? Like, I, you know, Matt Ryan's been better th this year than I thought ultimately he was be, would be, and ultimately the way he started the season. But, I, I mean, I just think the Saints are, yeah, the offense isn't great, but that defense is very, very sound. I think the offense can give you enough. And I like the Saints over the Falcons in Atlanta. The Cardinals and the Seahawks. Been a tough season for the Seahawks. No question about it. The Cardinals, I like the way the Cardinals bounce back. Kyler Murray looked really, really good. And I like the way that the Cardinals bounce back over the Cowboys. The Cardinals had been sliding. Do I think the Cardinals are a favorite for uh, to make it to the Super Bowl? Not in my mind. But the Cardinals are better than the Seahawks, and I like the Cardinals over the Seahawks in Arizona. The Bills and the Jets. So the Jets aren't very good. Um, the Bills are very good. I think the Bills can uh, – the Bills, I think, are going to beat the Jets. But in looking ahead, like I think the Bills may be the team to beat in the AFC right now. Like, you know, the quarterback play is really, really good. Yeah. You look at the Bills, need to do a better job of stopping the run, but I think that's something that the Bills will be able to fix going into the playoffs. Let's look at Tampa last year. Tampa wasn't great defensively, got into the playoffs outside of the Washington game, was shutting teams down. I think that ultimately happens with the Bills and that Leslie Frazier coach defense. Of course, I like the Bills over the Jets in Buffalo. The, the Buccaneers and the Panthers. Panthers are just a bad football team. Um, the Buccaneers are are good, right? Like like Tom Brady, and they had to come back. Like, I get it. The, it was the Jets. Shouldn't have happened, right? Ultimately, the Buccaneers able to come back from down 14 points in the second half to win that football game. You look at the Panthers, the quarterback situation's an absolute mess. What happens with, with Christian McCaffrey next year? Do you keep him? Like, he's, he hasn't been reliable. You needed him this year. If he had played this year, it would have been a lot different for the Panthers, I think, ultimately, especially when that defense was playing well. Ultimately, I like the better football team in this game. Um, I like the Buccaneers over the Panthers in Tampa. The Dolphins and the Patriots. Boy, the Dolphins were riding high and then just got smacked uh, on last week. Meanwhile, I look at the Patriots the Patriots aren't riding as high as ultimately the Patriots were still a good football team. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know that, that the Dolphins are going to be able to bounce back. You lose that game. How do you come back with Tua Tunga by Lois really limited to me, right? So I, I don't think you come back 
and win a football game over the Patriots. I like the Patriots over the Dolphins in Miami. The 49ers and the Rams. So the Rams don't look great to me, right? Like Matthew Stafford doesn't look great to me. Got that really good offense. It just doesn't look great. I look at the defense. It's very, very solid. I like the 49ers. I like Jimmy Garoppolo. You know what I mean? Like, I like Debo Samuel, right? Like, I think this team has weapons, and I think the 49ers' defense is good enough. I'm going to go with a little minor upset. I like the 49ers over the Rams in L.A. Our final game, Sunday night game, Chargers and the Raiders. The winner, in essence, is in, right? So, um, yeah, I look at the Raiders. Um got a chance like Derek Carr yeah he was he's, he's solid he, he's he's probably better than solid right like I look at the Chargers the Chargers have been the definition of really up and down this year if you look at the Raiders good bad then good coming on at the right time and that's why I like the Raiders in this football game I think the Raiders are playing well at the right time uh been through some turmoil obviously as a team this year and I like the Chargers over the Raiders in Las Vegas. Your thoughts, hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. We've got more of BoxToRow on the other side. BoxToRow.com is your source for conversations with and content on some of the biggest names in sports, HBCU sports, and entertainment. BoxToRow.com. Hello, my name is Precious Rose Dunlap, and this is my mother, Michelle Timlake Roll, founder of Marjorie's Beef Jerky Incorporated. We would at this time like to thank our new customers as well as our repeating customers for your business. For every one million orders that we receive, our company is giving $2 million away to the bottom amongst 400 of our paid customers. You see, that's the way we roll! So come place an order at www.marjoriesbeefjerky.com. That's www.marjoriesbeefjerky.com. Marjorie's Beef Jerky is the best tasting beef jerky on this planet. Marjorie's Beef Jerky. Yeah, that's right, because that's the way we roll. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsborough. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's, and in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. It's Donald Ware from the Press Box to Press Row. Welcome back to Box to Row. Follow us on Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Also on Instagram, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. 
So we have a conversation from the legendary Sam Jones who passed away last week. And this conversation goes all the way back. And I had to had to pull this and I, because I didn't have a date on this particular conversation with Sam Jones. But in the intro, I mentioned the fact that Red Arabak had just passed away. That's why we had Sam Jones on the program for the first time. Had him on at least one more time. Uh, if not more. And so this was from the latter part of 2006. Uh, Must have been November of 2006 when Sam Jones joined us on Box to Row. And first question I asked him was about the late and legendary Red Auerbach. First of all, he was a a wonderful coach. He, he, He looked into the black schools. Not too many people were looking into the black schools at that particular time, even though Earl Lord, who graduated from West Virginia State University and a member of the uh, CIAA at that particular time back in 1950, was the first black to play a game in the NBA. Now, the first black, I said, to play the game in the NBA was Earl Lord from the CIAA. I want people to remember that. That's right. And secondly, uh, Red Red Auerbach took a chance on me and drafted me number one. I became the first black man in any sport from a black institution to be drafted number one by a major league team. And so he took an outstanding chance. And at that time, I knew that a lot rested on my shoulders to prove that we in the CIAA, MEAC, SIAC, and SWAC had a right to be playing in the um, in the um, league at that time, and, and of course, you 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 mentioned Earl Lloyd, and we'll definitely get back to him in a moment. But you know, I read where he was one of your greatest fans. He was quoted, and I'm talking about Red Auerbach. He was quoted as saying about you, "He'll do anything you ask him. He's always in shape and ready to play, and nobody works any harder at basketball than he does." End quote. Uh, during your days, what did that mean to you coming from him? Well, first of all, I, I got to say this. That I had great coaches coming up. I had a great coach in high school. Uh, I call him now Dr. F.H. McDuffie. His name was Frank McDuffie. I had a, a Wonderful coach in middle school also by the name of Mr. Daniels. I don't forget these people's names because they had a lot to do with the development of your life. And also I had John McLendon, yes. who is in the uh, Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame and one of the first coaches in, 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 in the uh, Major League Basketball with, with Cleveland. And they were just tremendous coaches in the development of my basketball uh, in my life. And so I can say that when I got the red eye back with all of his talent, now you got to remember that we had gone through the fundamentals before we got there. Mm-hmm. It was just a matter of carrying out those fundamentals to fit in with what he had to do. And certainly uh, the man was a genius at uh, plays and motivating players, and that means a lot. 
The legendary Sam Jones joining us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Definitely want to talk to you uh, about John McClendon a little later on. But, you know, it was said that in 1957, Coach Airback was not impressed with the 1957 uh, rookie crop and that he selected you based upon what another college coach uh, had told him about you. The story goes that you were devastated because you didn't think you had a chance of making that Celtic team and, and that you were seriously considering a teaching opportunity uh, that you had. Could you tell us about that in those times and how you ended up meeting and impressing uh, Coach Arabat? Well, first of all, it was about being devastated. It was about a team who had just won their first world's championship and nobody on that team was retiring. Mm-hmm. And I felt that going to a team like that, not by coming from a small school, because if you can play basketball, it doesn't matter where you go to school. Mm-hmm. If you can play, you have a chance of making a team. But I felt that the coach would not cut another player who had just played on his first championship ever. And then I had to go. There were no other teams that I could go to. I was devastated because of the fact I thought someone else was going to draft me in the first round and did it. And so when I got to Boston, I'm, I was not down and out. I said, i got to play my best. i got to prove to him that I can play, and I'm a team player. And I think that's what he liked best about me. And uh, he, sort of, he sort of told me that I was after everybody had been cut except me that had come in as a rookie. He told me, he said, I think you're a problem. And I didn't understand that. that the problem was that he was going to have to cut another player mm-hmm. from his team that had won that championship. And that player had been with him for three years. And so that's what happened. I, I just played the same way I played in college. I played as a team, uh, and that helped me in my development. And so I made that team. And by the way, I was a big guard at that time. I was I was just about six five. Right. I was as fast as anybody in the league, and I played defense. I could rebound, and one thing I could do, I could put the ball in the basket, and that meant a lot. And to say that, to say that, uh, 1957, it was devastated. No, it wasn't. It's just that people were not getting, especially in the black schools, mm-hmm. was not getting the publicity uh, like the white schools were. That's, that was the times uh, that was back there. Mm-hmm. We didn't have the Afro-American, the Amsterdam News, and all that kind of stuff. The uh, General and Guide, there would have been no news for the black colleges. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, you got to remember, 1957, the University of North Carolina won 32 straight games and won the NCAA championship, and they had a dynamic team. But Red Auerbach reached out. Didn't get anybody from that area, era, and we, I graduated at the same time, mm-hmm. and he chose Sam Jones. I am you know, so pleased right now to be joined by the legendary Sam Jones as he joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Uh, you know, Mr. Jones, speaking of le- legends, of, of course, we mentioned this a little earlier. You played for the legendary John McClendon, who studied under James Naismith, uh, the inventor of the game of basketball. Uh, Coach McClendon invented the fast break, uh, which is the style of basketball Coach Arabic coached. Uh, how was it playing for Coach McClendon back then and being able to play that same style uh, under Coach Arabic? in Boston. Well, you got to realize that I want to bring this up, but also John McClendon was an innovator. Years, many years, uh, and even up to a few years ago, many people thought the four corners, remember the four corners, had been developed by Dean Smith 
at the University of North Carolina. And we knew that was not true, but this is TV people, the media, who's bringing out things and not getting the fact. Right. Dean Smith finally admitted a few years ago that no, he was not the innovator of the four quarters with Phil Smith and his basketball team, but John McClendon from North Carolina College, which is now officially, as you announced, uh, been renamed to North Carolina Central University. Mm-hmm. John McClendon was a real innovator, and John McClendon, McClendon became the first black coach in basketball to be hired by the Cleveland Pipers of the ABA. Mm. And people forget that. Mm-hmm. And see, people don't know about that, so they think the first black coach that coached in professional basketball was Bill Russell. Well, he was the first black coach in the NBA. Right. But John McClendon was the first to be in a major league in basketball. And, and see, that's why we need to know history, and we need to do this. For many years, everyone thought that Cleo Hill was the first black to be drafted number one in the black colleges. Mm-hmm. They just didn't know. And the CIA didn't know it because it came up on the board many, many years that, you know, when we play the CIAA, which is one of the grandest tournaments that you can go in February and March, the last of February, 1st of March, we're drawing 18,000 people. That's right. Started in 1946. But the thing about P.O. Hill was the first drafted uh, to be the first black to come out of major a historical black college and institution. Well, it was me. I, I, he, he, I preceded him by four years. Mm-hmm. I came out in 1950, 1957. So that means a lot of people don't have their research. That's right. And he played for the uh, great coach, uh, Big House Gates. That's right. Along, uh, he, he was before Earl Monroe. Right. So you see, I think that I, I think really... I had a lot on my shoulders when I went in in 1957. Uh, by me being able to make that squad, being successful with a tremendous team, then they looked down and they saw from the CIAA, CIAA now, mm-hmm. Leo Hill, Earl Monroe, uh, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, list goes on, Bobby Dandridge. Bobby Dandridge. You, uh, and then you, you, you begin to find all of these players, uh, Rick Mahorn, that has had great games. And we've got the kid, uh, Ben Wallace. Right. Oh, my gosh. And I, I could keep naming a few of you. You know, they, they just, I just lose it for a while. You know, we, we're forgetful. Right. But uh, all of these people came from the CIW. But look, you look, look at Willis Reed from Graham and the Swack. That's right. We've had great success in the black institutions, and we're still having that success. The legendary Sam Jones joining us on Box to Row back in 2006, shortly after the passing of Red Arabac. And to the point he mentioned, we're still having that success. That was from 2006. We're in 2022, and it's HBCUs. We are still having that success with HBCUs terms of athletics in this case moving on and playing ball you have a number of different players in the National Football League 
not as many in the NBA. You've got Robert Covington, who plays for the Trailblazers, came out of Tennessee State. Uh, but a lot of success in HBCUs. If you can play, they're ultimately going to find you. My time is about up. I thank you for yours. Appreciate you listening to this first episode of Box to Row for 2022. And, of course, if you missed this or any other program, or for more information on Box to Row, you can log on to our website, BoxToRow.com. And always remember to support those that support. Yo, Box to Row is produced by DW Communications. <laughs>